On this episode of the Palmetto Guardian, we talk storms, storms, and a really big storm. Welcome to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Specialist David Erskine. And I'm Lieutenant Tracy Dorgan. And this is the first episode of the podcast you've been on with us. Uh, yes, it is. Yep. I'm happy to be here. Yep. I'm super excited for you to be here. Uh, um, and we are in hurricane season. Came earlier this year. Came earlier this year. I already uh, had one. But we're, we're, um, we're, we're good at this. We're good at this. We're Our getting, response, uh, yes. Yeah, un- unfortunately, we're getting we're getting good at this. Yeah, uh, five ma- years in a row. Yeah, maybe a little too much practice. Um, but you know, we're here. That's what we do. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, they keep coming, and we'll keep going. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> plain and simple. Now, for you, a little bit different. If y'all don't know, uh, Lieutenant Dorgan works with us full time here in public affairs. Um, but that's not what you do on M Day side. No. I am in the first, the 178th field artillery. Okay. Which, that makes things a little bit different when storms come around, yeah? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh, I don't take pictures and write stories about it. I um, I was battle captain just for this, this last one. I was in charge of where 200 people were going throughout the day, <laughs> traffic control points, high, um, high water vehicle rescues, you name it, we... I was sending people out on missions to take care of the, the civilians in the, where was I, Mullins area. Oh, yeah. So you were, you were down in one of those areas that it can get, yeah, it, get, it can get rough at. Yes. Unfortunately, Mullins and, and that area, especially over the last, like I said, five years or so, yeah. um, has gotten, gotten hit pretty heavy. Um, but that's an interesting thing about the Guard is, especially for the full-time force, um, and, and it also applies to the M-Day soldiers because Monday through Friday they might be, a vet tech or something, and when they come in, they're and you know heavy equipment operator, right? Um, and kind of the same thing for you. You know, Monday through Friday, you're you're up here, you know, doing photos and writing stories and community relations, whatever. You know, the, all all that is involved in the public affairs world. And then when a storm like that comes, you're doing a completely different job, yes. a whole different way. Yes, <laughs> that's a quick. I mean, that's yep, snap. Yeah, done. Yeah. That just, I mean, I, I think that just goes, um, um, I guess, the testimony of, 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 na- of National Guard. Of the people. National Guard, yeah. yeah. That's just what we do. Whether you're a civilian or you Monday through Friday work for the Guard, you still switch the button and yeah. you're doing your uh, domestic operations missions. So Yeah. And, and so, you know, a little, little applause for all of our Guard folks, air and Army side out there. Uh, not, I mean, South Carolina, you know. We might be the best at it, but we're going to give a little shout out to everybody out there that does this. Uh, just a little friendly chat between <laughs> ourselves and the other National Guard units out there. Um, but we're the best. But we're the best. Uh, no, we're not going to pick buns about it. But uh, anyway, but now for me, I, obviously, I do this Monday through Friday, um, and I, I do similar uh, during the storm. So not a whole lot of change for me. Uh, last year, it changed a little bit. I went down to the, the, the jock area. And worked indoors, which was was a change for me. Right. Um, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. It's just where they needed me, and, and I went. Um, so I got to learn a whole new side of public affairs. Yeah. During the storm, um, and so now was this your first year doing the battle captain thing for for the no, storm? No, no. Uh, last year I was on night shift 
this year I was on day shift. But, so you uh, got a raise. Yeah, I did. Oh, look yes. at that. A lot more happens during the day. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. kind of tone things down at night yeah. for safety reasons. Right. Um, uh, of course, in emergency, we were sending people out, but it's just safer to go out when you can see, <laughs> see. The, the stuff. Right. I mean, even though, you know, we have high water vehicles, they can still only go in about two feet of water. Yeah. And once the road is beyond two feet of water, we've, we yeah. don't know where the edge is. Right. So <laughs> daytime is best to travel. That's right. Um, um, but the, before that, I was also, uh, well, since my unit knows I'm public affairs, I've done their public affairs, handled when media came to check us out and take pictures of our soldiers and done that kind of thing. So I've kind of played both roles in field artillery. But uh, it's it's always we're on the reaction side instead of the covering side. So it's it's a different aspect. Yeah, and that, that's, you know... Um some people might say, oh, that's, that's terrible. That type of stuff happens. But, um, you know, leadership's really good in the guard. If they know that you have multiple talents, that's, they're, they're going to get the most out of it. You know, as the person that they're getting the most out of, sometimes you're like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, they're utilizing it to, to make the situation more efficient for the citizens right. of South Carolina and the nation, uh, right. depending on the, the incident and what's going on. So, um, and we, we've talked about that before. Any any job, you know, you got your oh, we're you know, oh, I'm, I'm dying here. I need a break. But we, we always we always press through. And we always make sure the mission's accomplished, and we're trying to do the best for the citizens, the soldiers, the airmen. You know, everybody involved in a situation like that. Um, super interesting though that you know you kind of have that that talent set, and it's utilized like that, and the fact that you've get to see both sides of it. Um, And a lot of people, I guess, are are like that. Mine's a little bit more straightforward, unfortunately. Or fortunately, I don't know. It's got some pros and cons. Sometimes, you know, like, I want to get out and go do and see and rummage around and and help and be there, you know, uh, on the front line, as it were, during during a natural disaster and, and helping people. But the public fair side of things is still still important. Still a pretty cool right. job. Everybody, everybody that's involved in the storm has an important job. Like the, the mass amount of clockwork and machinery that comes out in these situations. Yeah. You know, it's not just a simple everybody scatter to the corner of the state and figure out what you're doing. Yeah, we mobilized more than a thousand soldiers in less than a day. Yeah. Yeah. Now, because I, honestly, I didn't know until until we you just said it a few minutes ago that you were the battle captain over. Um, these the soldiers, these these airmen, and things like that. How do you how do you go into that? I mean, because there's got to be a little bit of stress, and especially because that's that's a real steep change from your Monday from Friday, Monday through Friday. I mean, it's a steep change, right? Uh, unfortunately, it's not our first hurricane, so there's uh, there's already uh, standard operating procedures. You know, you know that you're going to be tracking so many units so many personnel and you just you just keep a list running tally kind of thing i got 80 general purpose troops and i got 70 out on a mission i got 10 available i have three humvees and a lmtv what else what other kind of mission can i support you need a high water all right we got two soldiers and an lmtv go (laughs) you know i i you got the tally it's 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 down to a science and like you said, that's unfortunate that we've had that many storms. But what is what is really great about that point is is that we have learned. Yes. And, and we've made this better, which means we get to um, 
life-saving operations faster. Yes. We can. We're all staged, ready to go before the storm. We're there. Storm hits. We're out there. Yeah. Yes. And you know, um, a lot of that started way back when, and and really, we're upon the anniversary of it was uh, Hurricane Hugo, and uh, it was one of the storms that kind of devastated the South Carolina area and. Um, it really did affect how we do business in South Carolina as far as storms. And we've continued to evolve. Lessons learned, always. Always. And, uh, you know, that, like I said, that was such a devastating storm. Uh, Not to say there haven't been others since then, but really that was one of the first ones where we're like, hey, we need to to look at this in a different way. And, And we've constantly evolved every time, which is great. Yes. Because every time we evolve, it just makes it, uh, that much easier on the citizens and we you know hopefully we protect as much life and property as we can along with uh you know obviously everything that we're talking about is really dictated and moved forward by our uh, uh civil authorities in the area i.e mm-hmm. your your cops your firemen police force sheriff department sled right. governor and all that i mean really um we're we're there to aid them and, right. and gap fill where where they need us to. Right. We don't go out and just say, "Hey, we're going to start doing no. this." You know, they they call us. And you, now, as a bow captain, you deal with I guess you're dealing with the taskers and and, and yeah. that type. So you're very familiar. So we send with out it. our high water vehicles with fire departments. They're they're actually the soldiers and the vehicles go to that fire department and reside there for any number of days required, and that's it. They're kind of tasked off to the fire department and then our traffic control points they're tasked off to the local police department or sheriff's department so you're, I'm still tracking them where where all my personnel are but they're really on on order for that mission at that fire department or at that police department so we don't move unless it's come from fire department police department governor it's all for them yeah well um I'm not going to tell you who our, our special guest is today, but he has he has been on the show before. But uh, uh, we actually we're, we're able to get him back on because he actually has a very unique story about where he was during Hugo and and and, we, and he talks a little bit um, or I know from this, talking to him about the situation, you know that he kind of has a similar thing where Monday through Friday this and, and flipped over. So um, you don't have to wait much longer. I, I'm not going to. I don't think I'm going to stall it any longer to get into it, but we'll jump over to our special guests and, and talk with them and a little bit about Hurricane Hugo. We're here today talking with Major General Van McCarty, the Adjutant General for South Carolina, and he's going to talk with us about his experience during Hurricane Hugo back in 1989. So thank you for taking time out of your day and stopping by. Thank you. Um, so where were you? What were you doing uh, September 1989 during Hurricane Hugo? Well, uh, like most South Carolinians, you know, I was anxiously waiting to see uh, what Hurricane Hugo uh, may look like as it related to the impact it could have on the state of South Carolina. We definitely knew there was a strong uh, hurricane that was heading our way, but like uh, many hurricanes, you can't predict exactly where landfall is going to be until you get... um, within about a 72-hour frame. And so we were sitting back waiting. But as we began to see that uh, landfall looked to be pretty imminent, and it looked to be pretty imminent at a, with a strong size storm, uh, Hurricane Hugo had reached a Category 5, which is the highest 
uh, level of storm uh, that you can have. Uh, there was a lot of anxiety and a lot of concern over not only uh, what it may uh, do to the life and safety of the citizens of the great state of South Carolina, but what it would also have in terms of an economic uh, impact. But um, I was a, at the time, uh, an M-Day soldier, which I currently am, but I worked for the South Carolina uh, Department of Natural Resources. I was a wildlife officer. Um, at the time, though, I was currently uh, assigned to uh, Governor Campbell's security detail. So I was uh, anxiously working between the two positions, trying to keep an eye on um, my focus as uh, part of his security detail, but I was also watching to see uh, how I may be, if, if, I, if I would, uh, be utilized by the National Guard. So it was an interesting time in leading up to that uh, fateful day of September the 22nd, which I think uh, most South Carolinians, certainly those of my age group, uh, remember quite well. Yeah, and you, you kind of touched on something there that not only applied back then for your situation, but still applies to, to soldiers nowadays. But that that whole pull between the M day and the and and your civilian duties. Yes. So when I guess when everything kind of started to kicking off, where did you find yourself initially in that process? Well. We had then, and we still have today, basically a, an understanding with all our state law enforcement agencies that any guardsman that worked for a state agency or a local law enforcement first responder type, uh, their first responsibilities and their first obligations are to their employer. Uh, we've uh, tried to utilize that and utilize that as recently as Hurricane Florence this, this past year. So um, I was looking to stay with DNR at that point and stay assigned, as, as I said earlier, with my duties with the governor's security detail. Uh, but that proved not to quite unfold uh, entirely as we went on uh, into the storm. But certainly I was in contact with my unit. I was uh, the battery commander at uh, Alpha Battery at that time, the 4th of the 178th Field Artillery headquartered the battalion in Georgetown, so we knew and felt like it was going to certainly be impacted, but my battery uh, located and still is today in Andrews, South Carolina. Okay. Now, you're part of the 178th, or or have been part of the 178th, right? Currently am, yes. You're currently Bravo am. battery first the 178th. Okay. Um, now, isn't that kind of interesting that, you know, field artillery folks, you wouldn't really think that going into a hurricane – that y'all would get utilized like that. So where did you, I mean, I guess kind of what, what becomes y'all's discommission, especially something as big as Hugo? Sure. Well, in the, in the big scheme of things today, we look at uh, all of our soldiers and all our airmen as being potential assets in support of our discommission, the defense support of our civilian authorities. Uh, and we, right now today, are, are watching a storm uh, that's uh, still days away and and uh, you know thousands of miles away and I uh, don't know what its impacts could be on South Carolina but we're already watching it that's a uh, tropical storm Dorian uh, but that's much like we were doing um, you know 30 years ago with uh, at that time uh, in its early infancy uh, a tropical storm that later became a hurricane which we now know as Hurricane Hugo which uh, still is one of the largest uh, hurricanes that's ever impacted the state of South Carolina in terms of loss of life and economic uh, damage to the state. Uh, and we today, as then, uh, look to prepare ourselves each and every year for potential response to these type of events. Uh, so our soldiers, uh, I would expect all of them today 
to look around and make sure I have my to-go bag ready in case I get that call, uh, just as uh, you know I, I would have done 30 years ago. And unfortunately, here over the last uh, about six years, we've had a lot of experience at, every with year that here in South Carolina. Uh, so that helped has helped our proficiency in terms of our ability to respond. But obviously, it has come with a uh, with a tremendous cost. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a it's a tough way to practice, unfortunately. Yes. Um, now you mentioned you were you were part of the governor's security detail. Now that's an, uh, kind of an interesting perspective leading into a storm, especially when it turns out to be Hugo, and it was yep. such a, a large event. How did how did some of that play, or what was some of the things maybe you got to see uh, from that perspective that you know you wouldn't normally get to see? Sure. Uh, well, Governor Campbell was uh, a very dynamic uh, and inspiring leader. I enjoyed my time around uh, the governor and uh, the first lady and the entire first family. They were uh, very uh, cordial and uh, they loved the state of South Carolina and, and he as the governor uh, loved serving the citizens of the great state of South Carolina. Uh, he was also a very avid outdoorsman and as a uh, young wildlife officer, uh, he was quite involved with uh, hunting, fishing and other activities at the time. Uh, the security detail, and even today, was composed of um, uh, generally sled agents and uh, members of our state highway patrol. Uh, but wanting to be inclusive of other larger state law enforcement agencies, he reached out to uh, DNR and, uh, and requested to have a couple DNR officers. And I had uh, only been on for uh, about two and a half years, and uh, my wife and I were, along with our, our son, were living in Charleston where I was assigned. And the opportunity to uh, come on the detail was presented to me, and both my wife and I were from Columbia originally, although we were we were happy living in Charleston. She still tells me today that was some of our happiest days, and, and I hear quite often that I moved her from one of her favorite schools. She was a school teacher, but um, no, we uh, relocated back to Columbia, where our home was, and. Uh, worked for the governor on the detail and uh, had had some great exposure there, uh, uh, traveling with him to you know uh, many places in, in this state and uh, many places in this country, and I did some uh, overseas travel with him. Uh, but um, I think um, the time that was uh, certainly spent with him and uh, his administration around Hugo uh, brings back some uh, some. Good memories mixed also, obviously, with the reality of what uh, we went through as a state. All right, so I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a take advantage of this situation and, and talk about something, especially the fact you're a DNR officer that I'm hugely into because I do a lot of wildlife stuff, and uh, we, we take a trip down to Santee, uh, Presidio Island down there, and we camp every Thanksgiving uh, for the past 60 years. But I think a lot of times with these storms, and especially something as big as Hugo, you know, we obviously, the, the effect to human life is all obviously utmost importance. But we, we talk a lot post about the economy and, you know, roads being out, but you get to see or you were able to see a perspective of it what it did to our wildlife sure. and natural areas here um you want to touch on that maybe a little bit because that's a unique perspective yeah well you know a storm is is large and, and had the, the the magnitude and the potential for uh, destruction of a, of a hugo uh, has uh, potentially huge impacts, uh, and it did in South Carolina. Uh, the, obviously, the economy was hit uh, very difficult. The storm made landfall on the night of the 22nd, uh, just between Charleston and Sullivan's Island. 
which really uh, the way a, a hurricane with uh, the, the way the, the storm force winds uh, circulate, uh, a lot of the brunt of the storm uh, winds and surge uh, went a little north of, uh, of Charleston into the McClellanville area and hit the, the National Forest area in that area. Uh, tremendously devastating uh, that, that uh, not only that economy, but that uh, uh, had a huge impact on the landscape of, of the natural resources, i.e. the trees and uh, impact. And you know, I think even today there's you know, still some evidence of what uh, impact Hugo has, although most of that has long since been uh, uh, regrowth. But uh, it, it had a, not only an impact in terms of the physical damage, it had also an impact, uh, I think, mentally and emotionally for those that, that lived through and stayed during Hurricane Hugo. Um, the wildlife, um, you know, uh, obviously um, Mother Nature has uh, built in their defense mechanisms and you know, wildlife uh, are generally pretty adaptable to these type of things. They, they, I guess they have a sense that something is not quite right and they will move to take shelter, but unfortunately a storm of that magnitude that really when you look at Hurricane Hugo on a map, uh, it, uh, it covered uh, most of the state of South Carolina, at least in its uh, uh, outer band uh, strength. So it's no way to have escaped that and to put a true number on the impact to the natural resources would be difficult. But it certainly had an impact uh, not only on uh, the, the resource immediately, but in the, uh, in the environment in which they um, had lived. I mean, the, the, the forest... Uh, in many cases was simply blown down uh, uh, along the coast there around McClellanville. So a huge impact uh, and had a significant impact on the uh, commercial fishery industry in South Carolina. As you, if, if you recall back and see even today of pictures where uh, whole fleets of fishing boats were rafted together uh, on land and um, uh, it just devastated in many cases the fishing industry and you know, in many uh, did come back, but uh, it took quite a while, and uh, for some it may have been a, a, an experience that was just unrecoverable from. But uh, uh, the people of South Carolina proved uh, then and have proved since then to be very very resilient. They come together, they work together to address these type of issues. I think it's the time when you see a bonding of citizens that uh, transcends uh you know, any kind of barriers that you may have, whether it's racial, gender, uh, socioeconomic background, those type of events team to, uh, tend to pull people together, and we see the best in those situations. And I think uh, Hurricane Hugo um, was one that helped bring out the best in many South Carolinians. Um, I was actually, let's see, 89. I was 10 years old. At that point in time, so what have been third, third grade ish, ish, yeah. Um, I remember going to school under candlelight. Uh, I went to a private school, and they were like, "We don't care the power's out. Everybody in. Uh, this is a great learning opportunity to kind of see everything going on as it was happening and stuff like that." Now, were you? Because you're not. I was still living in California. You were still in I, California. I knew nothing of Hugo. So this was a blip. And so a lot of this stuff is new to you. You're learning. It really is, yes. So that's a, that's that's pretty interesting, though, you know, the fact that you were in California. You know, obviously South Carolina was – we were reeling, but over there, you know, but now you, you moved here. Yeah, I moved here, and I've lived through six hurricanes just in the past six <laughs> years. So, so yeah, you're <laughs> – been. You're, Called to every single one of them. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah. So you're you're learning. I'm learning. You're learning. Quickly. Wow. Yes. 
Um, now you did mention um, the the community and stuff pulling together during that time, and I was fortunate enough to, uh, working in video. I, obviously, at ten years old, I wasn't involved with the guard, but I've been able to go through some of our archive footage. Mm -hmm. um, and we we actually have some interviews and stuff with the the shop owners and things like that, and they were just they were ecstatic sure. the, the fact that we were down there. How do you know, for some of the soldiers that might be new to the guard who haven't been here the past six years, who haven't gone through a hurricane with us yet, I mean, it's it's devastating. It's terrible to watch this happen to your community, but having gone through them, there's there is a certain, I guess, sense of pride. You know that you're out there and and you see the community. Talk 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 to me a little bit about how that was thirty years ago. Okay, uh, well, kind of set the stage for that just a little bit. The the, the day before. Um, Hurricane Hugo made impact. Uh, the governor, I was with the governor, and we were uh, on, in the coast, on the coast. Um, he was doing some uh, pre-storm visits there with some uh, local government and uh, trying to you know, ensure that we were prepared and wanted to reassure uh, all those that were going to be a potentially impact that the state of South Carolina was going to be there and we would do all that we could in the recovery process uh, as, as quickly as we could. So we were uh, spent the night in the uh, Conway area uh, and then uh, moved back on into Columbia uh, for uh, what ultimately was the, the storm that made impact again on the night of the 22nd. Uh, rode out the storm at, at State House and then uh, the next day when the weather permitted, I, um, I remember taking off in, a, in an old Dodge uh, Ram Charger that was assigned to our detail. It was the most appropriate vehicles that we had and I had uh, thrown some, uh, uh, you know, just supplies in the back of it and had a uh, saw and some other equipment. I wasn't sure what we were going to face, uh, what I was going to face, and my goal and my mission was to get to the coast to meet him uh, to do some of the initial surveys of, of storm damage. So uh, moved out and quickly found the goodness of people of the state of South Carolina as I was trying to get down what I had traveled many times that road network to the coast. Uh, didn't resemble what I could mm -hmm. remember. I, uh, to to have told somebody to go to a certain location and you will see such and such there, it, it wasn't necessarily like that. Um, the devastation, even as far as inland uh, in the Sumter area in which the storm moved on up through uh, the state up into Charlotte, but there was quite a bit of devastation. I would have never have, uh, could have imagined uh, what I was seeing, but um, the local people were already out. They were working to help clear the roads. There was there were power lines down. There were trees down. There was debris everywhere. But people were actively trying to to do at that point what you would just consider to be the the health and welfare checks. Can I get to uh, such and such house to check on either a, a relative or a close friend? So I was working my way through that and started really you know to readily see. Uh, the impact of people taking ownership of a situation long before the, the authorities could get there and begin that process. So that again has replayed itself out during the flood of 15 and you know during Hurricane Matthew and Hurricane Florence that that, uh, that people um, uh, are really our first responders and in, in the, the local citizens. Uh, got down to the coast and again just could not have imagined the, the degree of, of of devastation that I saw and 
I can remember some of the, the, the amazing things that I saw um, traveling uh, within the days or so after the storm on uh, Highway 17 and you saw uh, the forest again, great destruction, the trees uh, knocked over. And then you, I came to a place, um, and it was a house across the street and huge pine trees and other trees uh, all across the yard and kind of catty-corn across 17 was um, like a roadside market that had uh, kind of a structure of um, a steel frame or conduit pipe that had uh, plastic and so over and it had you know little fruit hanging baskets and so forth and it looked like nothing had been touched uh, you know just some of those situations that you just can't imagine how did that happen yeah. and then go to uh, uh, fast forwarding just a little bit and was riding coming back into Georgetown from um, uh, 17 back towards Myrtle Beach coming back in at that time we did not have phones like we have today uh, <laughs> but I did have a pager and my pager went off and had the governor in the front seat next to me and uh, I glanced down and I looked at my pager and I recognized the number it was from my, my guard unit and he said somebody trying to get in touch with you and I said yes it's all right though I, I can get back with him he said is it your unit I said well yes sir it is and um I said, but I'll get back in touch with him. He said, no, no, no. He said, we're this close. Let's at least go to Georgetown. He said, we can check on the armies and you can check on how things were. And I, and I remember saying, well, sir, how did you know uh, that? Including? He said, I am the governor. I do know some things. Uh, so it was, uh, was kind of interesting. And I said, well, um, I will probably you know, need to stay with you and, and um I'm sure they've got plenty of resources. And he said, um, he said, no, he said, your duties are to your unit and to the citizens of the state of South Carolina. He said, I can take care of myself. And obviously <laughs> we had others that could help uh, uh, get him. But uh, that was a transition for me. Uh, I, um, I got him back to Columbia. <clears throat> and then I, um, again, had my bags packed and I worked my way down uh, to the unit in Andrews and then my unit, uh, along with the battalion were mobilized and uh, we went to McClellanville and spent um, the better part of a, a week and a half in McClellanville. And again, um, uh, saw the goodness of people uh, out uh, checking on neighbors, checking on family, um, devastated by the, form, uh, by the storm, houses completely gone from the foundations uh, in areas that people uh, lived and uh, work uh, were totally changed. And, um, but you saw people that, uh, that were, first of all, thankful to have survived the storm, but had a, a, a spirit of, we, we will recover from this type attitude. Uh, obviously, it was a long time in recovery for many, uh, but seeing the goodness and the spirit of people working together, um, uh, unit was there and we were assigned. There was a Marine Corps unit that came in and uh, helped assist in debris removal and, and clean up. But um, just a memory, and I was again a captain. My, my, um, my, really my focus at that time was on my, my battery. Uh, yes, today I have a, a lot wider uh, vision of, of the operation, and, and the, but at that time as a captain, my focus was on the uh, small town of McClellanville and, and my battery and making sure that my soldiers were executing their mission and. Uh, doing as much as we could to help the citizens of the, the town of McClellanville and the local area. Yeah, that's um, 
that that's an interesting point you bring up too. And I was I was kind of thinking about that while you were talking. I was like, you know, you're you're one of the few people uh, that have that that opportunity that you got to see things like you said from uh, a captain's perspective 30 years ago, and now you have to look at it, you know, from this perspective. That's got to be, I guess, you know, what. I guess kind of what lessons were learned from that captain to this point. You know, how does that influence, you know, General McCarty's decisions? Well, I, I think Hurricane Hugo, and we commonly talk this uh, as we prepare for our storms, uh, we use it as kind of our benchmark. When I say we, uh, the entire state of South Carolina, as it relates to the emergency management personnel. Our current director of our state emergency management division, Kim Stenson, along with his staff, you know, they look each and every year to prepare for that next big storm. And Hugo is one that still is in the back of many of their minds because many of them live through it in some capacity, work through it in some capacity. But it is kind of that point of where South Carolina really transitioned in how we looked at our storm preparation. It went to a great extreme of asking us what more can we do to prepare for that next big, uh, you know, from a soldier's perspective, whether you're a, a captain as I was in or as I, as the adjutant general now, I think one of the biggest things you still want to focus on is how do we execute the mission and take care of our people, whether it's with a uh, hundred and whatever our numbers were, we were probably about a hundred uh, soldier strength unit for deployed for that mission to having deployed over 4,200 in some of the most recent storms. You want to make sure you've got your mission defined. Uh, that's one thing I've found over the years. If you give a soldier or an airman a clearly defined mission and give them the resources, uh, they tend to get the job done and get the job done quite well. So we need to focus on that. Uh, we want to make sure that our storm preparation, our plans are, are thoroughly vetted and that they're rehearsed. And we do rehearsals each year, rock drills to prepare for that. But nothing obviously ever uh, can substitute for actual implementation from uh, the recent storms that we've had and going back and certainly to Hugo, but we look at our performance in hopefully in a very honest and critical way to see what we did well, what we may have not done so well, and then what we can do to improve. And then like anything else that we do as a military uh, through from that after action report, we put it in into our, our operating procedures and then we exercise those to build that proficiency that will allow us to hopefully learn and gain and, and uh, get better from the, our past experiences. You know, you're really good at this because I, I, <laughs> I was thinking about asking a question or bringing up the point of what kind of why we do remember Hugo. Yeah, a lot of people or areas and people who didn't live through it might think it's odd that we do, you know, a, a remembrance or an anniversary to to a storm. Um, like I said, I was only 10 at the time and I saw how it, you know, just affected my neighborhood and stuff and didn't really understand the storm as a, a large scale. I mean, like I said, I was only 10. Uh, obviously you went through it from a very different perspective, but like you said, it, it be kind of became a benchmark for us. And then not only that, you know, we talked about the fact that um, the people coming together in South Carolina and stuff. And so this is kind of why we do remember and we take time out, you know, during this part of the year to to talk about Hugo as a storm is such a big event um the um now do y'all have anything like that in California just out of curiosity 
anything like do y'all have a remembrance of like a big event like a y'all been well, more like been, earthquake yeah there's been so many earthquakes i think we'll always remember the san francisco quake i think it was of i think it was of 89 also yeah, bad year for um because it was during the world series yep so that was we'll uh, the a's right yeah. yeah it was the a's yeah i remember that. big baseball <laughs> um, so yeah so yeah y'all do have and but uh, i don't uh well but i wasn't in the national guard in California, so I don't know if we would have something that the National Guard would remembrance of this, uh, like we do for Hugo. So I just I have no comparison. Huh? Interesting. We do have the wildfires too, which is every year. Yeah. So that's, that's I mean that's good though. It's good to remember these kind of key points and things. Um, I want to go back to one quick thing, and you, and you mentioned the EMD and kind of our, our partners and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, Hugo, and you, you mentioned not having cell phones and things like that, but how how the organizing, because obviously now I won't say it's easier, but communication-wise, it is easier. I mean, we can pick up and call from wherever we're at during the state, but mm-hmm. bringing all these entities together during Hugo and, and you kind of being you know, around the governor and then back to your unit, how did, how did you see all that working? Well, again, my perspective of it is, was, was then and, and to, would be today significantly different. Uh, from how I saw things. Um, uh, I had a unique, again, situation. I was uh, an employee of DNR. I was a wildlife officer, but I was also a member of the Guard. And I was um, in a situation where I was, even though I was activated, mobilized to support, I still had um, uh, what I felt was some obligations to my my role at, at DNR. And um, so I actually had my state-assigned vehicle down with me, which afforded me uh, much better communications, at least with the outside world, than I would have had just simply using the, uh, the radios that, that we had at a, at a battery-type level. Again, we, we were not and would not have had at that time, nor even today, some of the uh, systems that will allow you the strategic communications that would give you access to be able to talk from uh, one side of the county to the other, one side of the state to the other, and around the world. So we were at a at a little bit of a disadvantage uh, then. But um, uh, we had trained for that type of environment, uh, much like we train for today. You train to the capabilities that you have, and you look to overcome um, any kind of shortcomings or, or challenges that you had with communication. Uh, we would, um, you know, if we needed to be able to communicate at a distance that that we didn't have the capability of, we would have sent um, uh, basically a relay out and that could have been a, a physical device that we would have put out to help relay that signal transmission. Or as I've done many a times, both in that kind of capability or situation and in preparation to execute our federal mission, you just send somebody out in a Jeep or a Humvee with a radio and they listen to <laughs> take the message and they pass it on. So you find ways to overcome those kind of uh, capability shortages that you may have. Um, but I, I remember, you know, still getting information, uh, you know, although the McClellanvilles uh, it were, were really significantly impacted, um, you know, obviously a city like Charleston, though, um, that didn't see quite the destruction that it, it could have received if the storm would have made landfall south of Charleston, but it still was significantly impacted. And a lot of resources did go to Charleston, and uh, and I never, um, I know that some of the locals were a little bit, uh, I guess, uh, discouraged to put out about how 
when they had lost everything. Uh, but again, as a young captain uh, with a very narrow focus, my job was to how can I help and how can my soldiers help uh, the people of the McClellanville area stand back up. And, you know, the first thing that we were focused on, though, was um, uh, to account for people. That was a, a, a significant challenge early on. I mean, when, when, a totally, uh, when houses were totally taken off their foundations and gone and trying to account for people, uh, it took a while that we could say that we have accounted for uh, all the people that were in our area of operation by way of either talking directly with family members or the local government to be able to uh, cross-level what they were in the one of the local schools uh, was used as a shelter along uh, Highway 17. But um, one of the local schools right there in, um, in McClellanville was actually a storm shelter that nearly proved to be a tremendous disaster. The surge waters were much higher than anyone had expected. Um, the flood waters in the school uh, rose almost to the level of the ceiling. And uh -huh. I recall talking to uh, the locals that were at the school there and, and they had no idea if they were gonna be able to survive that storm or not. And at that moment, there was no relief in sight. I mean, they were there on their own uh, riding the storm out. And so having heard those kind of stories and again, um, uh, seeing firsthand and you could see on the wall where that water level rose to and I remember stories being told of they took the smaller children and took the ceiling tiles out and pushed them up as high and again not knowing if that was going to be enough. Um, living through that type of, um, of uncertainty and, and uh, uh, certainly I'm sure still today uh, brings back memories and not, and, and not pleasant memories but memories to those individuals that uh, that would be different from most residents of the state of South Carolina as it relates to Hurricane Hugo. I mean, truly not knowing if you're going to survive a storm um, uh, has got to be a, a very impactful uh, moment in one's life. Uh, in riding in the area afterwards, um, you know, it was common to see um, a number of uh, areas around uh, graveyards where. Uh, caskets had, had, had floated, which is not all that uncommon in a, in a storm event, but uh, uh, I saw, I remember a house where uh, a large car, and I, in my mind I'm thinking it was a Cadillac, I cannot say for sure, but a large car uh, that would have been driven straight into the garage or a carport-like area was turned totally sideways and was fit in with the, I believe the back, the, um, the bumper was it facing the door of the house and the front facing the outward side yeah. and couldn't really see any damage to the vehicle. It had a couple inches on the front, a couple inches on the back, um, probably even a train uh, record operator couldn't have gotten in there without tearing up something. But Storm laid it right uh, in there for him. Uh, and then talking to a family and they knew the house was shaking and violently shaking but didn't know until the, uh, the, the floodwaters rescinded and the winds stopped and the sun came out and um, realized that they weren't where they had started. The house had totally come off the foundation wow. and had been moved quite a ways away uh, into that type of um, you know, surprise and you just uh, certainly um, know that the power of a storm and then the effects were just unimaginable to many of those, those people and certainly we, we saw some of the effects afterwards 
but kind of unique to those situations. Um, and certainly today we, we live the same thing. A lot of our units are, 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 are headquartered along the coast and uh, many of those same soldiers in Hurricane Hugo uh, do the same thing as our soldiers do today. When these storms blow, you know, they, they tell their employers, they tell their family, you know, I'll check on you if I can, but I've got to go and do my job. And you know, some we find after each storm maybe have lost everything they own, um, and they continue to try to soldier on. And that's the kind of people that we uh, certainly have in our organization today, both in our Army and our Air Guard. And I think it's pretty much that way in every state and in every branch of our military. They're there to do their job. And, uh, yeah, they're impacted by these events, but they want to stay focused on their job. And, and we had soldiers in that lost everything, but stayed on and did the job until it was an opportunity to relieve them to go and take care of their own personal losses. But uh, it's, again, the good uh, from the bad that impacts us. And the good comes from how well people come together and, and persevere and uh, in some cases thrive through these types of, of, of events. After they survive, they begin to thrive on helping each other and seeing the, the goodness that we can have from uh, that kind of kindred, kindred spirit of working together. Yeah, and uh, that's what we've seen. That's what we've continued to see, and it's obviously just bred into South Carolina folks. Yeah. Um, well, sir, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm glad you took time out your your busy schedule to come by and sit with us. We, you're welcome back for anything. I mean, this is this is your show, all intents and purposes. We run it. You're the boss of it. So, anytime you want to come back by, we appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you. Appreciate it, and um, just want to thank again all of our our young men and young women who serve in our great Army and Air National Guard. Uh, appreciate the sacrifices that make each and every day. Uh, we've got a number of uh, soldiers and airmen that are either deployed now in country or will be here shortly. That's always um, a, a time that brings about quite a bit of anxiety for family and, and friends of those deployed. Uh, we just ask everyone to continue to hold them in their thoughts and prayers. And as we move into a new, another storm season, um, let's make sure that we're prepared ourselves so that we can respond accordingly if we're asked to do so. And let's don't forget, we're not just a state that potentially has uh, hurricanes to deal with. We do have a significant uh, uh, earthquake fault zone uh, that run through our state, and we've had a number of, uh, of uh, ice and winter-related storms. I know that our, 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 uh, our, our friends from the northern states would laugh when we talk about <laughs> our, our winter storms, but uh, for us, they are a challenge because we're not as prepared for them. But, uh, but there are other things. But uh, again, our, our people respond, and I just want to thank them for that 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 willingness to do so in their uh, in their service to this great nation, this great state. So thank you. Yes, sir. Cool. So it was uh, it was really it was really awesome to have Tag come back in and and speak with us, especially about his his situation during Hugo. I mean, it's super unique. I mean, he was obviously DNR. Uh, he's on the, the governor's, gov staff. <laughs> governor's staff. I mean, uh, you know, Annie's in the guard. You can't ask to get any more tied up in in a in a storm situation than that. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you know he he was doing his Monday through Friday. You know, obviously the governor said it was okay for him to go do his you know his military duty stuff. But it just shows once again, like we were talking about you with the the one seventy eight thing. You know, Monday through Friday because he was he's our he was artillery. He's yeah. artillery too. Uh, you know, same general area down through there, Georgetown, all low country area, and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. But 
just you know i'm with you sir i'm you know i'm here because my job dnr says i'm here and whatever else and he's like nah you got to go put on the uniform and boo bang and he's well and that's the great thing about our employer supporters out there i mean you know without our wonderful employers of our civilians or i'm sorry of our m day soldiers you know we couldn't do our jobs so i just want to big shout out to the employers of all of our m day personnel yeah yeah so, so, super supportive they, they always have been they, they hopefully will continue to be and like lieutenant dorgan said thank you thank you for it um but like we said we are in hurricane season yeah they have we have already another pro- podcast about hurricane with uh, Derek Becker from the emergency management division so make sure you catch that yeah go check that out and it's got some safety tips tricks and and whatever else in there that you you might want to look at before hurricane season gets going um but i don't think there's really much more to say about the situation the, the story was great from from the tag you know go watch the other one to find out some of the safety stuff right hurricane season's not done yet um so you know make sure you're safe make sure you're safe going into it and so that's going to be it for today's episode i'm specialist david erskine and i am lieutenant tracy dorgan and we'll catch you in the next episode